Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, December 17th, 2022, and we are broadcasting live from the northwest side of the city of Chicago. And uh, hard to believe that uh, that another year has gone by so quickly. We, hope, uh, we do hope we can redeem the time, or have redeemed the time, a little bit at least, for some profit to the Lord and to his kingdom. Praise the Lord. My name is David Canfield. I'll be your host during this time. And you can reach us online by uh, visiting our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions about the Christian Faith Radio Hour, or if you have comments uh, or questions about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. So let's let's begin this morning with uh, with just a little bit of prayer. Father, we just give this time to you, this whole matter to you, Lord, that you would really open our eyes to touch you in a, in a new way and to really see something of the kingdom of the heavens and how crucial this is and how we, you're calling us to live in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens today to prepare the way for your return to the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So today we want to continue considering this topic of the kingdom of the heavens because it is such a crucial topic in in the New Testament. And as believers in Christ, we need to have a clear understanding. We are called into the kingdom of the heavens. The gospel preaching has called us to be those who are in the kingdom of the heavens today, in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. You know, that's how the gospel preaching begins in the New Testament. John the Baptist, when he came forth, he says, repent for the kingdom of the heavens. And Jesus himself, when he came forth, he said exactly the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of the heavens. Matthew 4, 17. So the gospel preaching began with calling people to repent for the kingdom of the heavens. Then in Matthew 16, Peter receives his revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he declares that to Christ. And so Jesus says to him, he's going to give to him the keys to the kingdom of the heavens. So what are these keys? Well, it's not singular. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you the key to the kingdom of the heavens. He says, I'm going to give you the keys. So it's plural. Well, these keys are what Peter used to open the door to the kingdom of the heavens in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, he used the first key to open the door of the kingdom of the heavens to the Jews when he preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Now, up until that time, when, when Jesus came, when John the Baptist came, they could only say the kingdom of the heavens was at hand. It wasn't there yet. It hadn't happened yet because Jesus did not, even though Jesus was himself was present on the earth, there was not yet a kingdom with him on the earth. And of course, as we know, the Jews rejected Jesus. So in a sense, in the outward sense, the kingdom of the heavens has been delayed until the Lord's return. But the reality of the kingdom of the heavens began on the day of Pentecost when Jesus preached the gospel, when Peter rather, preached the gospel to the Jews and they repented and uh, were forgiven of their sins and believed in Jesus, at that time you had the beginning of the kingdom of the heavens. That's the first key that Peter used. Then in uh, a little later in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, he used the second key to open the door of the kingdom of the heavens to the Gentiles when he preached the gospel to the household of Cornelius. That was when the door was opened for the Gentiles to enter into the kingdom of the heavens. 
And so that shows us that in the book of Acts, when we're talking about the preaching of the gospel, we're talking about preaching the gospel for the sake of the kingdom of the heavens. Now, it, it doesn't say the kingdom of the heavens in the book of Acts. It says the kingdom of God quite often. That's the term it uses. So you have to understand the kingdom of the heavens is something within the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a more general term. It refers in general to God's ruling over, over the universe. The kingdom of the heavens refers specifically to when God is ruling in, from the heavens over the earth. That's the kingdom of the heavens. That's the specific uh, meaning of the kingdom of the heavens in the New Testament. That phrase is only used in the Gospel of Matthew. But even though it uses the term the kingdom of God in the book of Acts, it's really speaking of that specific section of God's ruling when the heavens are ruling over the earth. Um, you know, to, to use an analogy, you know, we're, we're broadcasting from Chicago. And so the fact that I'm in Chicago, that means I'm in Illinois, of course, and in the United States of America. But I may be in America or I may be in Illinois and not be in Chicago. In the same way, uh, you can be in the kingdom of God and not be in the kingdom of heaven, of, of the heavens. But if you're in the kingdom of the heavens, for sure you're within the kingdom of God. So it's a specific section within the kingdom of God. Now today, uh, as we've said, because the Jews have rejected Jesus, we don't yet have the outward manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. That's going to happen when the Lord returns. Uh, at the end of this age, to establish his 1,000-year reign on the earth. That's going to be the fulfillment uh, to the promise God made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, I think it's verse 14, where he says his son is going to rule on his throne forever. That's going to be the fulfillment of that promise. But we don't have that today, but we do have the reality of the kingdom of the heavens today. And so, so it's called, the, because it's only the reality and not the outward manifestation, that's why it's not called the kingdom of the heavens in the Gospel of Matthew. But it is the reality of the kingdom of the heavens, even though it's called the kingdom of God. And as the believers in Christ, we need to be those who are living in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens today. The preaching of the gospel is to call people into the kingdom of the heavens. And that, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 14, he says, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached on the whole earth and then the end shall come. The gospel there is the gospel of the kingdom of the heavens. He's saying this gospel has to be preached over all the earth and that's when the end is going to come. And then at the end of the book of Matthew, uh, 28 verses 18 and 19, he says, go forth into all the world making disciples of all the nations. Uh, teaching them to observe whatever I've commanded you. So our responsibility today is to preach the gospel of the kingdom of the heavens, to make disciples of all the nations, to bring people under the heavenly rule of Christ so God can have his kingdom on the earth. Now, why does this matter? Why do we have to be clear about this? And what is the real significance of the kingdom of the heavens? Okay, if that's what the kingdom of the heavens is, what does it matter? Why, why does it matter so much? Well, it matters because God is using the kingdom of the heavens to bring his kingdom to the earth, to prepare the earth for him to dwell with mankind on the earth for eternity. 
That's what God wants. He wants to dwell with mankind on the earth. But he can't do that today because the earth, because as human beings, uh, we've joined in, in our fallen condition, we joined in Satan's rebellion against God. You know, at the very beginning of the Bible, um, God created man in his image and likeness. And, uh, and then you see at that time, before the fall, uh, God was walking with man on the earth. Just after the fall, he came to Adam and Eve. It says he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He just wanted to be with man. He created uh, Adam and Eve, mankind. He created us so he could be with us. He just wants to be with us. But because of the fall and because we, we rebelled against mankind, sorry, because mankind rebelled against God, he couldn't dwell with us anymore. So, uh, you no longer see him in the Old Testament dwelling with mankind in a general way on the earth. Now, he called Israel out of fallen mankind, and for a time he sought to establish his kingdom with them by dwelling with them on the earth in the tabernacle first and then in the temple. But eventually, uh, Israel was also turned against God and it fell into idolatry, and so he left Israel. Uh, and then in the New Testament, Jesus himself came. And that's when he says, repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. He was coming down to the earth to bring God's kingdom to the earth. But again, Israel rejected Jesus. And so uh, he was crucified and he ascended to the heavens. But after he, his crucifixion and resurrection, before he ascended to the heavens, he tells us in John uh, chapter 20, he breathed on, on the disciples. And then he said, as the father sent me, now I send you, right? In the same way the Father sent Jesus, now he sends us. Well, what does he send us to do? To establish God's kingdom on the earth in this church age. And when that kingdom is established, then uh, Jesus will come down from heaven and establish his kingdom in an open way uh, on the earth for the 1,000 years. And then at the end of the Bible, when you look at Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 2 and 3, it's, it says this, it says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So the New Jerusalem, which is God's building, God's dwelling place, that's coming down out of heaven. It's not believers going to heaven. It's the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to the earth. We have to be so clear about this. We are not called to go to heaven. Our calling today is to prepare the way for God to dwell on the earth. And that's why in verse 3, it goes on and says, uh, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And that's the fulfillment of God's ultimate desire, is to dwell with mankind on the earth today, uh, in eternity rather. Today, he can't do that because the world today is in rebellion. Uh, but he's using the kingdom of the heavens to bring men under his authority to prepare the way for him to dwell with us in eternity. Praise the Lord for that. You know, I'm, I'm a little concerned as I say, share all this because we talk about the kingdom. And I, I have to say this. Some, some people may hear this and say, well, you're talking about the kingdom, so you, you must be Jehovah's Witnesses because they, uh, you know, they're always talking about the kingdom. And we would say, strongly say, no, absolutely not. Uh, the king, Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to establish God's kingdom uh, without any relationship with Christ. And that's, so that's not who we are. We, we have that 
a wonderful relationship with Christ, it's only by having that relationship that we have any we can have anything to do with the kingdom of God by being born anew. Uh, so no, it, it's we're not talking about what the Jehovah's Witnesses are talking about, but it just shows how far away Christians have gotten from uh, the New Testament view uh, of of our calling. That you even have to to say this: we are called to establish God's kingdom on the earth. And I want to stress this again. The Christian life is not about going to heaven. It's about establishing God's kingdom on the earth. That's what our really call, real calling is. And, and so that's why it matters to be so clear about this matter of the kingdom of the heavens. Because then we understand what our calling is, that God has called us to establish his kingdom on the earth today. That's what he's really after. Praise the Lord for that. You know, we have to realize, if we realize this, then we're also going to have a sense the world today really is in rebellion against God. It's just rebelling against God. Ever since the fall, you know, Satan does have his kingdom. Uh, Jesus in, uh, in, in Matthew 12, 26, uh, he talks about uh, Satan's kingdom being divided against itself. Well, Satan does have his kingdom, right? And that kingdom in Revelation eleven fifteen is the kingdom of the world. That's where it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So that kingdom, Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of the world, stands in opposition, opposition to God. And so, uh, I've said this before, but as the believers in Christ, in a very real sense, we're here behind enemy lines. And we need to have a clear view of this uh, for sure, if we have a clear view of this, we're not going to be those who love the world. We're going to take our stand for Christ and for his kingdom. Praise the Lord for that. You know, Satan uh, keeps people in his kingdom by blinding their thoughts and their minds. And at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the thoughts of the unbelieving. It is really so, really so. Um, but God sends us, he calls us, and he sends us to open their eyes. You know, I love uh, when the Lord commissioned the Apostle Paul, at that time Saul, in uh, Acts chapter 26, verse uh, 18. He says, uh, I commissioned you. It doesn't say I commissioned, I have to turn to those verses. He says, um, uh, verse 17, he said, the Lord says to Paul, I will deliver you from the, Jewish, from the Jews as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. So what's the first aspect of this commission, the Lord's commission to Paul? It's to open the eyes of the people that they, uh, they can see their situation, right? Open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light. The people of the world today now, we don't say this to condemn anybody. That's, this, this was just our situation before we heard the gospel and had our eyes opened. Right? That was exactly where we were. We had to have our eyes opened right? to turn from the darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God. Right? That's really the gospel. We're calling people out of Satan's kingdom by opening their eyes and causing them to turn from darkness to light. You know, we all are grieved over what's happening in this country today, over so much lawlessness and sin and corruption and just things you can't even imagine that are being openly promoted. But, well, people need to have their eyes opened. If their eyes are closed, they're never going to understand what's really going on. That's the first aspect. 
And that takes a lot of prayer because the only one who could really open someone's eyes is the Lord himself. But he does that through us as those who are uh, ministers of his gospel. And we have to have a strong realization. Uh, We uh, have to deal with the enemy so that people's eyes can be opened. Uh, A while ago, I I read a quote um, from D.L. Moody. It really impressed me. He said, most Christians fail because they underestimate the strength of the enemy. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it, it is true. The one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Praise the Lord for that. But we have to realize the enemy is nonetheless a very powerful foe, and he powerfully binds people and blinds them to the reality of their situation. So as ministers of the gospel, as servants of the Lord, we have to uh, seek the Lord and stand with him to open the eyes of so many people to repent and believe and turn to Christ so that they can be saved out of Satan's kingdom and brought into the Lord's kingdom. And, you know, I love Colossians 1.13. God has transferred us uh, into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Praise the Lord. That's the real preaching of the gospel. And that's not easy. Uh, it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to stand for God's kingdom today. It's a real struggle. Uh, obviously to deal with this whole situation in this fallen world to stand for God's kingdom on the earth. Uh, so we have to, and we have to be prepared for that struggle and to be willing to uh, pay a price to stand for the Lord in his kingdom today. You know, today this gospel is a matter of persuasion, uh, so to speak. We, we're persuading people to enter into the kingdom of the heavens. But in that day, the struggle is going to be over. In that day, it's not going to be a matter of persuasion anymore. When the Lord comes back, then it's going to be a matter of power. Persuasion will be over. Then it's going to be power. The heavens will open and the Lord will descend with a shout of command, with the trumpet of God and come down to the earth. And then he will establish openly his kingdom on the earth. And those of us who have a right relationship with him will be with him uh, in his kingdom. But so many people at that time who refuse the gospel will be judged and will be sent to the lake of fire. You know, and that's something we, we don't want to see. We don't want to see anyone have to go to the lake of fire, but we have to warn people who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ today. He is coming back, and when he establishes his kingdom on the earth, that's when he's going to judge uh, all the evil situations, and he will cast out of his kingdom all those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's a very, very serious matter. Um, uh, you know, we need to be prepared for that. But as we said last week, the concern with preaching the gospel today is not primarily that people are dying without Christ. As serious as that is, yes, that's a very, very serious matter. But the concern with preaching the gospel today is not that people are dying without Christ. It's that people are living without Christ. Because if you're living without Christ, you can have nothing to do with the kingdom of the heavens. But once we repent in Jesus Christ, once we believe in him and we're saved, we're brought into his heavenly kingdom. And that's the real meaning of the gospel uh, in the New Testament. You know, John tells us in uh, uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, he's praising Jesus Christ. He says, The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who has loved us, he loved us when he died on the cross for our sins, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So he died on the cross and washed us in our sins from his blood. And he made us a kingdom. Praise the Lord. 
Why did he love us? Why did he wash us in our, his, from our sins in his blood? Is so that he could make us a kingdom. That's the real gospel right there. That's the whole gospel right there. He died on the cross for our sins. He washed us uh, from our sins in his pre- precious blood. And he made us a kingdom. That's the reality of the gospel today. Praise the Lord for that. Well, if we stand with Christ for his kingdom, we're standing against the world's kingdom. And eventually, the kingdom of Christ will mean the destruction of all the uh, hostile powers. Everything in, uh, in this world that is against the kingdom of Christ is going to be brought to an end. You know, in, uh, in Daniel chapter 2, uh, you have this vision of the great image, which signifies human powers, which you're not going to get into. But it signifies all the, the governments of the earth. And at the end of that dream, this is Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, um, he sees a stone that was cut without hands, and it smashes the image on its feet. And then that image becomes like chaff, and it is blown away completely. And then the stone becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. Well, as Daniel uh, the prophet explains in uh, Daniel chapter 2, 44, uh, that really is a reference to God's kingdom. Uh, a kingdom which will never uh, pass away, never be destroyed, filling the whole earth. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen eventually. At the end of this age, the Lord will come back. He's going to deal with all the other uh, powers on the earth and destroy them and wipe them away. And then he's going to establish his kingdom over all the earth. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, And so that's what we're struggling for today. And for this... Uh, We're called not simply to be uh, believers in Christ. We're called to be disciples. You know, again, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, that's the only book in the New Testament that uses that phrase, the kingdom of the heavens. And uh, in in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says that uh, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole earth and then the end will come. And as I've said before, that's a strong proof uh, that the end is near because the gospel of the kingdom was not properly understood really until about 150 years ago. So the fact that the gospel of the kingdom is being preached today is a strong proof that the end is getting closer. It is closer because the gospel of the kingdom, you know, we're trying to do our small part today to preach the gospel of the kingdom of the heavens to to make sure that this gospel goes out over all the earth. And when the gospel does go out over all the earth, this gospel of the kingdom, then the end will come. Well, that's Matthew 24, verse 14. Then at the end of the gospel of Matthew, he charges the disciples to go forth into all the earth and make disciples of all the nations, right? That's why he's sending them out. Why they're saved, why they're sending out is to make disciples of all the nations. So for the Lord to have his kingdom... It's not sufficient to be a believer. As wonderful as that is, yes, if you're a believer, your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord for that. But the question is, are you a disciple, not just a believer? Are you one who is really coming under the heavenly ruling? That means That's what it means to be a disciple today. You're allowing the Lord to discipline you right, in all the different aspects of your daily life to prepare you to rule with him in, in the kingdom of the heavens. You're being disciplined because you're under the authority of the heavenly king. You're one who's living in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. Praise the Lord for that. Um, That's when God really has his kingdom on the earth today, is when he has disciples who are living under his authority.
And so we should seek to be those who are the disciples who are being trained to live under the heavenly authority of Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a picture of this. You know, whenever the children of Israel were under God's authority, their enemies were defeated. Whenever they submitted to God, then whatever enemies they went to uh, went up against, God just fought for them, and, and they were defeated and destroyed, and, and Israel was victorious. But when Israel forsook God, as it often did and ultimately did in the Old Testament, then they were defeated. And eventually, of course, they were carried away to Babylon. Well, that's a picture of the church today and of the believers today. If we're really submitting to God as our heavenly authority, we will have the victory. Praise the Lord for that. We will have the victory. But when we're not under the heavenly authority, when we're living our own life, even if we try to live the Christian life by our own power, our own in our own way, uh, if we try to do that, uh, we'll always be defeated, even if we're trying uh, to fulfill what God wants. It's not a question of trying. It's a question of submitting to the heavenly authority. That's what brings in God's rule, God's heavenly kingdom. And so that's what the Lord really wants on the earth today, is believers who are submitted to his rule so he can bring in the kingdom of the heavens. And so he can eventually come back to the earth to dwell with man on the earth for eternity. Praise the Lord for that. So uh, that'll do it for this segment of the program, uh, and we'll continue along these lines on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge, both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And as we said uh, uh, at the beginning of the program, if you want to reach us with comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can uh, send those to notes at thechristianfaith.org. That's our email address. So I just want to uh, say a few more things uh, along these lines, and then I want to bring bring in our guest. We're going to have Brother Jim Ruffin join us again this week to, con- to continue the conversation from last week. But in, in the first part of the program, we tried to give uh, a further definition of what is the kingdom of the heavens, what is God's goal. So now we want to consider how can we live in the kingdom of the heavens? What does it mean to live in the kingdom of the heavens? You know, in Matthew uh, chapter 22, uh, or uh, Matthew 21, I think it is, uh, 
Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them that uh, about the stone that the builders rejected. And uh, uh, he says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then he makes this very important statement, Matthew 21, verse 43. He says, therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Well, okay, what, what, what does that mean? He's saying the kingdom of the God had been with the Jews up until that point, but because they rejected Jesus, he for a time has rejected them. Instead, he turned to the church. He turned to the church and he says, I'm going to give the kingdom to the church and they are going to bear the fruits of it. Now, as we've stressed a good deal, we don't yet have the outward manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens. That's not what we have today. But what we do have today are the fruits of the kingdom of the heavens, the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. And we touched on this a little bit last week. We talked about in Galatians chapter 6, what are the fruits of the kingdom? There are things like uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the type of thing that is produced in the kingdom of the heavens today, in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. The Lord is looking for this kind of fruit among some people in this fallen world. That's the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. When we're living this kind of a life, we're reproducing the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You know, Matthew, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 17 very important statement. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Well, to produce this kind of fruit, to have this kind of a living, we have to be born anew with another life. We could never have this kind of living on our own. and It's not a matter of fulfilling the law. That's the Old Testament way. The, the way we have today is to receive the divine life by being born anew in Christ so that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. And, and again, as we say, uh, we have to have this concept. Uh, we were saved for the sake of the kingdom. Now, um, a lot of believers are familiar with John chapter 3. Uh, Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, unless you are born anew, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And we stress, you have to be born anew. But in that verse, why does Jesus say we have to be born anew? It's so we can see the kingdom of God. If we don't uh, have the new birth, we'll never have any concept of what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens, really is all about. That requires the new birth. It requires us to have this life in order to live in the kingdom. And that's how eventually we produce the fruit of the Spirit uh, and have the kind of living uh, that is a living under the authority of the heavenly king, which, as we said, uh, will prepare the way for the Lord's return. Praise the Lord for that. So that's what we want to uh, continue talking about now. And we're going to bring on our guest. Again, that's Brother Jim Ruffin from uh, Dayton, Ohio. And we'll bring him on now. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, welcome back to the program. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Good to so, be here. Yeah. Yeah, of course, we had you on last week. And the basic thought, we, we just mainly wanted to continue the conversation uh, that we began last week. 
Uh, and I should add, just so the listeners know, we also have a couple of clips uh, we're hoping to play from Brother Mark Jordan, because he has some feeling about this too, about this matter of living in the kingdom, and uh, in particular about this matter of really seeing the kingdom of God. So we want to get to those too uh, as, as we fellowship. Uh, but Jim, you, you've been listening. Do you have any thoughts or comments, uh, about uh, what's already been shared that you want to follow up on? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> it is certainly, uh, a matter of the kingdom or the, the fact of the kingdom that's only possible by receiving the divine eternal life of God. Really so. Yeah. So to live, to, so to live like Christ means we must have the life of Christ, and then mature in it in order to express Him. So this is not merely uh, that we have a good time enjoying the Lord. This is something, as you had mentioned before, related to discipleship. Amen. And of course, not many people or I should say not many Christians are possibly disciples today. They have knowledge of the Bible, possibly, and, of course, enjoy all of the wonderful verses and promises of God. But that is a, a, a totally different matter. Yeah, so, really so, Jim. It's, uh, and, and we, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's very good to make this clear. It's one thing to be a believer. You can't stress it too much. It's another thing to be a disciple, to be really be one who's living under the authority of the heavenly king. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, and that's it, only, you, you can't fulfill God's purpose to have a kingdom if you're only a believer. You know, being a believer, in a sense, that takes care of our need, where our sins are forgiven. I don't have to worry. I'm not, you know, and we strongly teach the assurance of salvation. You're not going to go to the lake of fire. It's wonderful. And you do receive right. this life. But, but in, and you know, it's, uh, some have said it, it's when we believe in Jesus, we don't just receive his life. We also receive his throne in our being. That's, sometimes that's not that comfortable, right? Because now I have another person within me who is seeking to, you know, it's not a, a hard kind of ruling, but he is seeking to bring us under his authority. And, and really, when you right. experience something of that, you just realize living under the authority of the heavenly king is just wonderful. There's a precious you just have a sense. I have an authority over me now. Praise the Lord. I think a lot of people on the earth today just wish they did have some kind of authority. You know, you see this lawlessness always increasing on the earth today. Right. People are looking for some kind of ruling. Well, the way to have that ruling is to really believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. And I, you know, the, to the extent that I've touched that sometimes, I just have to testify. You just, oh, you just say, Lord, it's so fulfilling when you, you feel like you're really under the living under the authority of the heavenly king. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So what we actually see is that we understand the meaning of being made in God's image. Hmm. In other words, we're made in his image so that we can express who he is. And it's important that Christians understand how this applies to us personally. Uh, equally important is what, what we should do with this knowledge once we attain it. It's one thing to say, oh, we need to be uh, disciples or be in the kingdom of the heavens, but that could be a theological term. Right. But the, the reality uh, means that 
it has a bearing on our life. Right, yeah, it has to become something yeah. practical. I think you need it. You, you have to have the understanding, but you're right, it has to become something practical, too, in our life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The problem is we are unable to imitate Christ with our natural life, regardless of how noble it may be. Only by submitting ourselves under the ruling and reigning of Christ within us can we live the subjective righteousness he requires. And that is, I think, sometimes a word we don't like to talk about that much. <laughs> mm. But oh, Lord. Uh, it is... No, which, which word is that, Jim? The, the, huh? The righteousness. Righteousness. Subjective righteousness. Yeah, subjective righteousness. Objective, okay. There's an objective righteousness that okay. Christ produced on the cross. Right. By, and that's how, why our sins are forgiven. But, once we receive the life of God, now he wants to make righteousness subjective to us mm. so that we live such a life before others. And then that becomes our responsibility. Mm. This does not happen all at once, though. I mean, you know, it's not like instantaneous. Because we know, according to 1 Peter 2.2, 2, it says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So this indicates there's a process. Well, even that, even that verse is right after. He, he said uh, in, in first, first Peter chapter 1, uh, having been regenerated not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So this life comes right. into us as a seed. And at the right. end of First Peter, and then, you know, like you're saying, Jim, then we're so we're newborn babes. It's just this tiny little right. thing that needs to grow up within us, and we need to grow as believers. Amen. Really so. That's right. So then in Hebrews chapter 6, we are warned again in verses 1 and 2 by Paul. He says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings of Christ and go on to maturity, yeah. not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and a faith toward God, and instruction about baptisms, and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He said those things are what we initially received when we got saved. But we shouldn't stay there. Right. We shouldn't always be going back and saying, oh, it was wonderful when I got saved 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of times, this is what people... Uh, continue to promote to a, a, a large extent, but their life is not characterized by righteousness mm. and godliness. Mm. And so then people on the outside say, well, what's the point in being a Christian? There is no kingdom of the heavens being manifested there. Yeah, if they don't see it in us, yeah, exactly right, right Jim. What's the point? Yeah, oh, Lord. Yeah, if if it's just yeah. a, yeah, just something we're waiting to enter into. Yeah, hopefully they they do see something in us. That that's what's going to. That's right. Yeah, really establish God's kingdom on the earth. Really so. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. Then the apostle John tells us in his first epistle, I think it's chapter two, verses five and six, says, "But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. But by this we may know that we are in him." Hmm. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Oh, Lord. Yeah. 
Really so, Jim. Well, that's a pretty that's a pretty tall order. But nevertheless, this is what the apostle tells us. Yeah. So that means we have to have the realization, okay, I'm not merely doing the best I can. All right. I am to abide in the Lord's word until it actually perfects me. Mm. Yeah, because he says, the word there is walk. We ought to walk as Jesus walked. So it's not exactly. talking about the objective righteousness, but our actual walk. Amen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Apostle Paul, he also uh, made mention of this uh, because he wants us to realize that this is a necessary process. So in Second Timothy... 315 through 17, he says, and, and he's talking to Timothy, and how from childhood you have been acquainted, what? With the sacred writings, mm. once again, which are able, what? To make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then he says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this basically is speaking about a living. But this living is regulated. This living is, you know, regulated by the divine life, and there are others that are essentially helping us to grow in grace. Amen, Jim. And in the knowledge of the Lord. Amen. Because unless that happens, what is going to change us? If we don't have the proper teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, then how would we be equipped for every good work? Hmm. Amen, Jim. Yeah. It's so important to be in the Word, really so, uh, day by day. Exactly. Really so. So, as you said before, this it means the kingdom is a matter of discipleship, right. which requires effort on our part. Yeah, training, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spending time in the Word. Yeah, if you're not spending time in the Word, yeah, hard to be discipled. Right. Really so. Really so, Jim. Yes. So, by that, we then would be able to display various characteristics of Christ. Amen. Now, you already mentioned some of them in Galatians 5, uh, according to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but if you think about Jesus himself and how he walked, how did he walk? And uh, I think these are things that we should reflect on and realize that this, these should also be uh, things that basically express the Lord in us. So the Lord was forgiving and merciful. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. It seems like Christians have a hard time doing this. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, Jim. (laughs) It's it's a big problem that uh, we we seem to always um, somewhat balk at, and uh, yet 
this is very clear. Amen. Many times the Lord talks about loving one another. Another one is patient and long-suffering. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, Hmm. not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Hmm. So have you ever thought that if you, you know, when you're laboring on someone or preaching the gospel to someone or whatever, you get actually just kind of fed up with them? <laughs> oh, Lord, Jim. <laughs> you say to yourself, yeah, I'm wasting my time with this person. Well, the Lord himself. And long-suffering, right? yeah. Was, is long suffering exactly? Amen. This is his nature, though. This yeah. is not ours. Yeah, really. So, yeah, in ourselves, we yeah. can never manifest these characteristics. Amen, exactly. Jim. I know, I know you have a, right. a few more. I, I want to try to get to some of the clips from uh, Mark, at least maybe one of the clips. But go ahead. It just to, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead and finish. I know you have a few more to, to go ahead and well, just mention I them. Yeah. I won't read. I won't read the verses. I'll yeah. just give you the point. Right. How's that? Sure. The Lord is also selfless and humble. Amen. He shows no partiality. Yeah. He's truthful and trustworthy. Mm. He's courageous. Right. And he's also loving. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So these, that's yeah, that's, that's not us, Jim. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Right. Yeah. yeah. But fortunately, there's one in us who has the, the capacity to be this way. That's really the significance of the right. new birth. Praise the Lord for that. Otherwise, we'd, we'd have no hope. But you're right. We we right. need to manifest these characteristics in our life as the manifestation right. of who Christ is living within us. Praise the Lord. Amen, Jim. There are some practical steps that we can do. One is, as the Lord did, is pray often, mm. spend time in the Word, Amen. as we mentioned, and fellowship with other believers, yeah. which is crucial. Really so. Really so, Jim. Yeah, like we are right now. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Really right. So. Amen. Well, Mark was, Mark was concerned. His... his uh, concern was how do we see this matter of the kingdom uh, how do we really begin to uh, realize that God wants to have his kingdom and uh, so he has a clip uh, this is about uh, a little bit less than four minutes so let's play that and just uh, uh, then we'll have a little fellowship about that okay how do we get someone to see that they as a Christian are royal and not just a commoner. And in the illustration Jim gave, he said maybe through a DNA test. So what is the DNA test? What's that moment? And um, I was struck by, in considering all this, two stories in the Bible that relate to Jesus that I think helped me to understand that one is at his birth and the other is at his death. At his birth, some wise men from the east are studying the night sky. They're sincere. They must be deeply sincere because they go on a possible two-year-long journey once they see this moving, living star. But they're studying this night sky, and they know it. They're scientists. Astrology eventually became astronomy. And they're the earliest astronomers. And... One night, I can just imagine this scene, there's two of them, say, sitting there, observing the night sky. And one of them says, what's that? 
And the other one says, I don't know. And they both lean forward and they study it up a while in silence. And then one of them says, I think it's moving. And the other one says, it is moving. And they're used to a static data set. The sky they know, they know where the stars are to be in relation to each other. Here's one that's adjusting its position. And this inspires them to get on their camels, to gather gifts, to form an entourage, and go on a two-year journey following this star, which to me is amazing. And these aren't poor men. They have they give expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. But when they stop in Jerusalem, as it leads them to Jerusalem, closer and closer to the destination point, they ask Herod, where is this king of the Jews to be born? They saw in a star the king. How did they see it? Well, my view of that is it's because they were sincere in their endeavor. And I really would encourage young people, this is, I'll make a moral lesson here, an object lesson. Whatever you're good at, whatever your interest is, pursue it to the nth degree. Pursue it with sincerity. Study your data points. Make your connections. Go to school. Get trained. Be an electrician. Whatever. Be a doctor. But look, always look into the deeper and deeper. It To me, the lesson of the wise men is to the sincere seeker of truth, ultimately, a moving star will appear. I, I really believe this. I think this is true of if anything you study, law, music, anything, if you really look, if you sincerely look, if you're not just about advancing a career and making money and tra- being able to travel, but if you're really concerned about the subject at hand, I believe a living star will appear. So that's, to me, the lesson of the wise men. And that living star always leads you to see that not only is there a God, but he's a king. And we see the kingdom. Oh, I know. We, we lost the last uh, last point of the clip there. Jimmy, are you there? So. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay. We lost the last point of that, of that clip, I'm afraid. But... Uh, but uh, I, th- I think Mark makes a good point. We, we need to be seekers of the truth, first of all, if, if we want to be those right. who really see something of the kingdom of the heavens. We have to be um, honest people, right? And then that, that, right. that gives the Lord something of a way to really speak something to us about his real desire. Uh, of course, we, we, may, we're not, we may not be seeking the Lord, but the Lord for sure is seeking us. And if we right. have some integrity in our daily living, maybe that gives the Lord a way to speak something to us. Now, uh, you have the uh, the example in in the New Testament of the, the shepherds. Well, the, the New Testament makes a point of telling us they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. In other words, they were being faithful to uh, their responsibility. And it was at that point that the angels appeared to them and said, you better go see this baby that's been born in Bethlehem. So, um, <laughs> right. so I think I appreciate that principle that Mark mentions that you know, as we're uh, faithful to our responsibility, it may give the Lord a way to uh, show us something of what he's really after. So, amen, Jim. Yes, right. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Yes, well, I, I uh, appreciate once again uh, 
Mark bringing up the fact that we are not Christian commoners, but Christian royalty. Right. And yeah. We need to see this, and we need to see this vision, and it will change our lives. It will change our daily spiritual exercise because we will be seeking the truth. And a lot of times, Christians just take things for granted, and they they don't really pursue. So when they read the Bible, okay, they consider possibly, well, we are do-gooders, as people would characterize us. But you do not have to be a born-again Christian to put on your best behavior. So this shows that what the king wants to do is some ruling and reigning within us that has nothing to do with our natural disposition. It's something of his life that you mentioned before. Right, yeah. Because we are, because we are members of the household of God, learning how to live by the divine life, which submits to the ruling and authority of Christ. And such a living desires to yield to both righteousness and godliness in everything we say or do. Well, you're right. I mean, having having this vision uh, that we are being prepared to be kings will uplift our view of of our Christian life, that's for sure. You know, we, we... you know, we, we've, it's true, we're sinners, we're fallen, and we're corrupt, but we have to have a sense, too, uh, there's something very, I mean, the work that the Lord is doing in us is just beyond anything we could ever fully appreciate, and he's making us the many sons of God, but he's also making us, preparing us to reign with him in this coming right. age, the millennium, and in eternity, and what a blessing that is, and when we see that, you know, things things happen in, in the Christian life, Jim, as I, I'm sure you know, and um, I've experienced, and we all experience these uh, trials we go through and sufferings we go through. Right, right. But sometimes when I've been in, in that kind of a situation, what encourages me is just to remember the Lord is working out something in my life today that is just way beyond anything I could ever appreciate or estimate the value of. That's correct. Uh, That's true. It just... Mm-hmm. You know, one brother that I've mentioned, G.H. Pember, he says our life here is an apprenticeship to prepare us to, right. to reign with the Lord. And uh, right. Panton, you know, he's talking about the uh, uh, parable of the minas in Luke 19. And that's where the it says uh, the Lord tells us parable of a, uh, a man who goes off to receive a kingdom and return. And before he goes, he gives each of his servants a mina. And he says, do business right. until I come. Uh, and then he comes back and he checks with them. He says, what did you gain uh, from the mina? One says, well, I gained 10 minas. He says, you rule over 10 cities. Another one gained, uh, I, maybe it's five minas, five, five minas, I forget. He says, okay, you go rule over so many cities. And then another one comes and says, well, I didn't gain anything. I just I just buried it. And uh, and the Lord says, okay, take the mina away. And, and that one didn't have, uh, he wasn't given a city to reign over. Uh, so... Right. Uh, and, and and the point that Panton makes is this shows that what the Lord is telling us in this parable. He says, I'm going away for a while so I can find out 
who it is who is prepared to rule in my kingdom when I come back. And I think a lot of believers today, they just automatically assume they're going to be those who are ruling with the Lord. Well, in eternity, yes, but not in the thousand-year reign of Christ. If you didn't gain anything, your mind gets taken away, so to speak, and you don't get anything to rule over, which is very serious. So we need to have a, a very strong appreciation and realization of the fact that our life today is preparing us to be those who can reign with the Lord when he returns. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Amen, John. I don't know if you have any uh, final thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's probably why the Lord said that we need to take up our cross and follow him and deny ourselves. Yeah. Because this is the only way this will happen. Hmm. You know, I like this analogy. We are similar to chickens. Christ is like an eagle. As hmm. chickens, we try to match the eagle, but fall woefully short. Oh, Lord. Only. If the chicken gains access to the eagle's life, will it be able to soar? Hmm. Amen, Jim. Yeah, well, thank you. He's just going to be flapping, he's going to be flapping around <laughs> on the earth. <laughs> thank the Lord. Thank the Lord we do have that life. You know, I, uh, uh, just to, to wrap up, Jim, I, you know, you mentioned that verse about taking up our cross. Uh, that's in Matthew 16. And then uh, the Lord, he, he concludes that passage. He says, uh, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. That's Matthew uh, 16, verses 24 through 27. So we want to be prepared to be rewarded when the Lord returns. Praise the Lord. Jim, that, that's going to wrap it up for today, Jim. Uh, thank you so much, okay. Jim, for, for coming back. Good to talk yeah. to you and hope to talk to you again yeah, soon. Thank you. And, uh, right. Thank you, Jim. Take care. And thank you to the listeners for being with us. And Lord willing, we hope to be with you again next week. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.